Today on Abounding Grace from Ed Taylor. Because love sees more, it's willing to see less. What do you mean, Ed? Well, listen. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. Because love sees more, it's willing to see less. Peter would say the same thing because he experienced it. Love covers a multitude of sins. It's the lubricant by which the church moves forward. We don't excuse sin. We forgive. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You to a wedding ceremony this fall? If so, it's quite likely you heard someone recite or give reference to 1 Corinthians 13. That is the famous love chapter. It gives to us a beautiful description of love. Today on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor sets out to show us what agape love is all about. And let's be clear, it goes way beyond some romantic feeling we may have. Let's see together how God defines it. Many people will walk away from 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14 and go, well, I just don't understand still about tongues. What does that look like? There's no display. What about the interpreter? There's no display. On occasion, there's displays of mercy or prophecy, but there are things you walk away with. There's no display. For love, he wants to make sure this is the more excellent way. This is what it looks like. This is how you can see it. This is why it's needed. Without love, we're just like these clinging symbols, just noise. Without love, it's like an emptiness. You can say a lot of things, but there's emptiness to it. I like to refer to that, that, you know, I hear what you're saying, but there's not a lot of substance to what you're saying. Got a lot of flowery words. I hear you talking about things all the time, but I don't see it. There's no substance. There is a group of people described in the Bible as always learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. And that's never more clear when it comes to agape love. Studying love, reading books on love, uh, delving into areas of love, explaining love, but never really coming to the knowledge of the truth, watching it displayed in their life. And I love our God who says, here's what it looks like. Here are a few ingredients to look for. So pick up with me in verse 4. He says, love suffers long. The idea of love suffering long is that there's a long fuse to love, not a short one. It puts up and puts up and puts up and puts up, and then just when you're ready to give it to them, puts up some more. Remember when Jesus was teaching his disciples, he said 70 times seven, that we would lose count in love. So love suffers long. It's interesting that in the English, the translation of the word here is the word suffers. We don't often think about love suffering, but true agape love is going to bring suffering. True agape love is going to bring pain. That's what sacrifice does. That's why so few choose the road of sacrifice, because the road of sacrifice comes with pain. Of course, if you sacrifice something, it's going to hurt you. 
And until it hurts, you might want to ask the Lord if it's really a sacrifice for you. You know, often we'll talk about sacrificial giving. Well, if it doesn't hurt, it's not sacrificial. If it can fit within your budget and it can fit within your thinking, and if it, if it fits, it's probably not sacrificial. Sacrificial, when you're, well, I'm going to love them up until, probably not sacrificial. I'm going to extend forgiveness until, probably not sacrificial. When love suffers long, there aren't limits, a long fuse. The second one, love is kind. Willing to help, that word means, obliging. If, if love isn't kind, then what happens is, okay, I've suffered long enough, now you get it. I'm not putting up with any more. And at the end of that long suffering is a kindness, a desire to help. The third one, love does not envy. So anytime envy comes up in your life, you know that's not the love of God. You can know right away you're off the track. God's agape love brings a contentment to our lives. So when you find that sense of contentment, you're in a good place. You're in a good place where love is fostered and developed and nurtured. Love doesn't become upset at the success of someone else. Love doesn't look at, man, look at how much they're blessed. I can't believe God. That's not love. Love takes joy at the success of others. It's not envious. Love is demonstrated with a personal contentment. Love does not parade itself as the fourth one. I'm always a little concerned, I'm sure you are as well, when people talk so much about themselves, how humble they are, <laughs> how much they've accomplished, how far they are. I love it when people start to talk about how loving they are. It's usually in the topic of, dude, you're not very loving. Oh, no, you don't understand. And they, I, I'm always a little concerned when I find myself talking a little bit too much about myself. It's a concern. It's not the agape love of God. The agape love of God speaks about the love of God and the faithfulness of God. Usually when trouble comes, this parading itself, when trouble comes, you'll see a lack of love because it's always the other person's fault. It's always what the other person has done. There's never any personal accountability when a love is lacking. Who knows? That might all be true. The humility, the love been demonstrated. But even if it's true, we don't parade it. We don't announce it. We allow God to get all the glory. Love, number five, doesn't behave rudely there is not puffed up, is the next one. It's not puffed up in the sense that now as you see the process, parading yourself, focusing on yourself, then what? Puffs you up. And we've already learned earlier in 1 Corinthians that knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And again, this is all in our relationship with one another. The next one, number six, is love does not behave rudely. Rudeness. When love is flowing, we're just not rude with one another. When love is flowing, we're looking for ways to make peace and make people comfortable. We don't cut people off on the highways and the byways on purpose. We don't take advantage of other people's weaknesses. We don't see someone struggling and immediate see, immediately see it as a way to take advantage of that for our own personal gain. That's not love. Not rude with people. He says does not seek its own. Love isn't selfish. 
Love in it of itself isn't motivated by selfish thoughts. Love isn't insistent on ways doing it always my way. The idea that we had when we were kids, you know, we saw, we saw when we were growing up. You know, if I can't pick the teams, I'm taking my ball and going home. And there was that sense of, no, it's mine, it's me, this is the way it is. That's not love. He says the next one, love is not provoked. Love tends to let things go and provoke a prayer and a waiting on the Lord. Those of you that are short-tempered or quick-tempered, it's inconsistent with love. Love waits. Love's patient. It's not easily provoked. Love, verse 5, thinks no evil. I think it's the NIV, if you're carrying one of those. I think the NIV records that as keeps no record of wrongs. I like that. That's a great view. It keeps no record of wrongs, thinks no evil. Doesn't look for hidden motives. Isn't always digging around for hidden agendas and conspiracies. It's just ugly in the church. That's not love. It's trying to figure out, spend your whole life trying to dig up conspiracies. That's not love. Love is telling, their, telling your neighbor that they're not right with God and you're there to share the gospel. That's love. He says, and by now you should be really convicted. If you're not, I haven't taught it well. It's some of you, some of you, if we haven't hit one yet, I mean, I know for me, love suffers long. I could just stop right there at verse 4. I mean, are you serious? Love suffers long? And when I'm in the Spirit, yes. When I'm not in the Spirit, no way. It's not a long fuse, a very short fuse. He says, love does not rejoice, verse 6, in iniquity. Here's a real important one. When tough times come in other people's lives... It doesn't give you a secret joy. You know what that sounds like? They deserved it. It was coming. I knew it. That's not love. The idea when someone falls of love is that you rush over and you seek to restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted, Paul wrote. He says, love rejoices in the truth. Love is a truth love. Love is a truth lover. You, you rejoice in the truth. It's just wonderful. You don't put up with the untruthfulness of life. He says in verse 7, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. These characteristics are sometimes confused with you not caring or not seeing things the right way. When you look at that, you, you go, well, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to bear all things. I'm not going to be responding really quickly. I'm going to believe all things. I'm going to give you, another way we probably use this more often as I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to give some time to, I'm going to give some time for things to be worked out. I'm going to believe all things right now. I'm not immediately going to believe the worst. I was actually asking someone today that they could pray that in my life, that I wouldn't always believe or think the worst. The antidote to that is I believe all things in the Lord. That just seems to be a characteristic that I picked up, that when bad, tough times come, my first thought is to think the worst. And then I work back from there. That's not a healthy way to live your life. That's not love. Love hopes all things and believes all things, endures all things. It's just the exact opposite, where something bad happens, just learn to wait on the Lord before you act. You never know what's happening. When somebody brings you bad news, wait for the other side. The first one to plead his cause sounds right. 
until his neighbor comes and reproves him. You want to hear both sides. There's some accusation against a leader and an elder. The Bible says don't receive an accusation against an elder except by two or three witnesses and not best friends. Because they probably talked about it. No way I got my witnesses, but they're all your best friends. You guys just had dinner and we're talking about it. Who else is involved? Well, I don't think anybody else. It's just really me and my friends. No, don't receive an accusation. Wait. The enemy loves. He's the accuser of the brethren. He loves to accuse believers. He loves to divide friendships. He loves to get you suspect of your spiritual leaders and your pastors. Don't do it. Love hopes all things, bears all things, believes all things, endures all things. It's not characteristics of not caring. Agape love is not blind. It's eyes wide open. Because love sees more, it's willing to see less. What do you mean, Ed? Well, listen. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. Because love sees more, it's willing to see less. Peter would say the same thing because he experienced it. Love covers a multitude of sins. It's the lubricant by which the church moves forward. We don't excuse sin. We forgive. He says in verse 7, love bears all things. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. Then he says, love never fails. When has love ever failed you? Not the human love, but God's love. When has God's love ever failed you? Never. Because love never fails. We've seen failure with each other. We've seen failure in our relationships. We've seen things that look so sweet and so wonderful become so bitter and so ugly. But God's not involved in that. That's all human Because if God was involved more, there would be less bitterness. There would be less hatred. There would be less impatience. There would be less unkindness. There would be less parading of itself. There would be less defending yourself. There would be less being puffed up. There would be less rudeness. There would be less seeking your own. There would be less provocation. If God's love was in it, we'd have the exact opposite. We'd have so much more of the exact opposite of some of the things that we see when love isn't present and when we're at odds with one another. Agape love flowing through our lives helps, helps us to keep things spiritual with a biblical perspective. Love sees the price that was paid at Calvary. It sees it fully first for ourselves, recognizing that we have been forgiven. And in that, we then extend it. When that person threatens us, when that person's mad at us, when that person hurts us, when that person gossips about us, when that person slanders us, when that person tries to personally destroy us, when that person is everything about against us, we see Jesus first and foremost. We hide behind Jesus. The name of the Lord, the Bible says, is a strong tower and the righteous run into it and are safe. The answer to every friction is love. The answer to every difficulty is love. The answer to every division is love. The answer to every misuse of spiritual gifts is love. We're to speak the truth in love. We're to abide in love. We're to extend love. We're to enjoy love. And the more I go through it in the life, 
that I live as a believer, as a pastor, the more I live, the more time God gives me, the more clearly I see the powerful work of the Spirit in someone's life. Where I can literally have, I've seen people that in one moment were loveless and now they are the exact opposite because of the work of God. They're not working it up. They didn't read a book. They're not trying to apply principles. They're living in the Spirit and God has changed them. I mean, just, they, they, they would crush you physically. <laughs> and more often with their words, they're just so crushing, so biting. God changed them. That's why those of you that come from that background are always battling the flesh. I know battling's bumming you out and you wish you were just done fighting, you wish you were over, but battle is a sign of life, friend. Because if you didn't care, you'd be your own bad self. You'd be the old you that was crucified on the cross with Jesus, spiritually, by the way, to reckon the old man dead. And haven't you found, haven't you found that the old man, the old woman, can show up in a split second? Given the right conditions and the right temptations, there's the old man right in the kitchen. There's the old woman right there in the car. Because we really need to abide in the Lord. See, if you and I walk away from a Bible study like this convinced, and I think we are convinced, God's love is supreme. His agape is more valuable than all the money in the world. It brings true peace as we abide in Jesus Christ and we both lay down our agendas. We, we can all agree that true love is valuable and supreme. We come to that conclusion and then we go, well, Ed, I, I'm with you. I am decided that I'm leaving Bible study night and I am going to love whether they like it or not. <laughs> you know? I'm going to make this a list. I'm going to write it on the mirror. I'm going to memorize it, which are all great things, but not primary. It's a great thing to memorize this list. The Holy Spirit will bring it back to your remembrance when, oh, no, 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 love's not rude. Oh, you're right. So sorry for being rude. Love suffers long. Let the fuse be a little longer. I know, I know. Yes, Lord, you're so good. It's great to memorize. It's great to put on your mirror. You can even put on the inside of your glasses right up here so nobody knows. You're, you're just kind of, your eyes are wandering, but you're actually reading. The, that's great. But if you attempt to love in the flesh, it will be fleshly. It will be temporary. And it will be not real. It will be the simple attempt to apply principles that you're unable to apply. What you and I need to decide is to surrender our lives to the work of the Spirit. Think about this listing, this display in a different way. If you and I were to go through this listing and replace the word love with our names, how would you do? Joe suffers long. And then those that know Joe, no, he doesn't. Ed is kind. Uh, not always. Ed does not envy. Not always. Ed does not parade us. Not, you, know, you go through and you're like, you put your name in there. Don't use me as an example. Use you <laughs> or Joe. But, you know, don't. Think about it. Who, you put your name in there and you're like, wow. But then take your name out 
and put Jesus' name in there. Wow. Jesus suffers long. Yes, he does. Jesus is kind. Yes, he is. Jesus does not envy. Never did. Jesus doesn't parade himself. Oh, no. Jesus isn't puffed up. No. Jesus doesn't be, didn't behave, doesn't behave rudely. No. Jesus doesn't seek his own. No. Jesus isn't provoked. Jesus thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity. Jesus rejoices in the truth. Jesus bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Verse 8, Jesus never fails. Fits perfectly. Without any hesitation, reservation. And to understand that Jesus is the perfect fulfillment, the embodiment of love. Jesus, by his character and his nature, is love, frees us. Because we are hidden in Jesus. That's our life. It's when we peek outside of being hidden in Jesus that we're in big trouble. But abiding in Jesus, according to John 15, which we've seen in previous studies, we're safe. This is where love takes place. It frees us from feeling like we have to solve every problem that comes our way. Frees us from feeling that we have to solve everyone else's problem that comes our way. That I have to figure everything out for people. That I have to figure everything out for me. In God's agape love, he's got me covered. And whether I understand it now or I'll understand it in eternity, I understand Jesus. I preach him and him crucified. His resurrection. The power of him in your life. I can simply love and bear with it. I can simply love and believe in him. Hope the best in him, which then leads, you know, when I'm caught up in Jesus, then that automatically leads to an automatic, I hope the best in you. It frees those of you up that have taken the Bible in hand to bring biblical discipleship to people that you can actually sit across the table and because your hope is in the Lord, you can hope the best for that person. They're going to get it. They may not get it right now, but they're going to get it. You're listening to Pastor Ed Taylor and his message, Agape Love is Supreme. It's our final study in our Holy Spirit series on Abounding Grace. If you'd like to hear it again, call and request the CD for just $2 at 877-30-GRACE or access the audio file at calvaryaurora.org. If you take a brief moment to write or call, that would make our day. Let us know the station you're listening to and if today's study was a blessing to your life. We'd also love to pray for you. You can email us through the website at calvaryaurora.org. Abounding Grace is made possible through the support of our listeners. And when you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, you're invited to request a copy of Gene Edwards' book, A Tale of Three Kings. Join the thousands who have been touched by this wonderful story of three kings from the Bible. It's especially helpful if you're experiencing pain or loss because of something someone did to you. Maybe you're in a clash with another Christian, or you've been damaged by a church split. Get a copy of A Tale of Three Kings today. I know you'll be encouraged. We appreciate the generosity of our listeners. It helps us provide the teaching of God's Word on stations all across the nation. Thank you for standing with us. Call 877-30-GRACE or visit calvaryaurora.org. Ed, First Kings is on deck, and we'll start this new series tomorrow. If you had to sum up the book in a few words, what would they be? 
Larry, that's a great question, and I hope everyone's anticipating the study in First Kings because uh, so much neglect to the Old Testament happens today. Like so few churches are teaching through the Old Testament, and we have gone through a lot of the Old Testament. We did Samuel, First Samuel, Second Samuel, now First Kings, and I've had to sum up First Kings. It would be the failure of division. Uh, Because after the death of Solomon, so you've got King David, then he hands over to his son Solomon, which is the unified kingdom. When Solomon dies, the kingdom is divided for hundreds of years. And division is the tool, like the most worn out tool, I believe, in the devil's toolbox on division. And so we're going to learn what good leadership looks like, bad leadership looks like. And overall, what we're going to learn is the wonderful, loving grace of God as he works with any of the clay that he's been given because he loves his people and he will ultimately be glorified even through the failures of man and of the kings and the successes. So tune in. First Kings is going to be great. We're going to learn so much. Kings, prophets, and the faithfulness of God. We have that to look forward to in the days ahead right here on Abounding Grace. Come back Tuesday as we kick off First Kings. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Chapel, Aurora.